You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. If he had had faith in God, he would have said, dude, take your stew and go home. I'm going to trust God to take care of my hunger. But he didn't. He had no faith in God. So he said, I'm almost dead with hunger. So what good are these rights to me now? So Esau made an oath to him and sold his rights as the firstborn son to Jacob. Terrible trade. Terrible. He gave away millions for one meal. Yeah, isn't that what we do sometimes when we sin? We give up our relationship with God worth millions. Do you ever take matters into your own hands? Even when you know God's plans, do you ever try to move things along by your own might? Today, Pastor Jeff reminds you that no matter how well you think you have it all together, God's plan will always serve to bless you the most. The more you exercise patience and let God do His thing, the closer you'll be to the person you want to become. Experience your full purpose by taking God's hand and letting Him lead. He has plans for your life that you could never fathom. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of 1 John chapter 2 as he continues his message, Right Need, Wrong Answer. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life are not from the Father, but from the world. The world passes away in the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Now watch this. What, be, what, what were the three things? Lust of flesh, appetite. Lust of eyes, what you see that you want. And it's connected to your appetite. The pride of life, an attitude, I don't need God. I can make it just fine on my own. Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. Okay, now watch this. Jesus is dealing with the very first one, lust of flesh, lust of eyes, pride of life. The first temptation to come in him is lust of flesh, appetite, hunger. Um, and his three temptations cover these three things, lust of eyes, lust of flesh, pride of life. Those are the three temptations leveled at Jesus. That's the crux and the core of them. Now watch this. So he's, he's being tempted to take care of his appetite in a wrong way. Satan tempted him to meet a right need the wrong way. That's one of his tools, one of his approaches. That's how he gets at us. And he, and he hadn't changed his bag of tricks, like I said. All the way back to the very first temp temptation of Adam and Eve. He goes, now here you got Satan, fresh out of the chute, first couple, first man, first woman, first temptation recorded in human history was lust of the flesh, appetite. God had said, don't you, don't you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the one thing you can't touch. That's the one thing you can't eat of. But what does Satan do? He turns their attention to that tree. He says, you're hungry. Why don't you just eat of that? You're not going to die like God said. Nah, 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 nah. Uh, no, you're, you're going to be fine. God just doesn't want you to be like him. He's holding back from you. So eat of that tree. And look what it says about them. They saw that the tree was good. So there you got lust of the eyes. And that it was good for what? Food. Lust of the flesh. Appetite. And it was, it was the temptation to Adam and Eve. The first temptation in the history of mankind was to meet a right need the wrong way. 
because they're hungry. And so they eat of the tree. He never shows his hand. When you and I are offered by the devil, you don't know it's the devil, but there you are, you're cooking along and you've got a legitimate need in your life. And here comes a solution. But it's a wrong solution to a right need. It's a compromise to a right need. And there it is right in front of you. And the devil says, there's nothing wrong with your need. Here you go. He never shows his hand. He never shows the consequences. He never shows the after. Now he's very, very good at focusing your eyes and my eyes on the immediate benefits. He's all about immediate versus delayed gratification. He wants, he wants you to take immediate gratification. I'm hungry. I've got this need. There's a solution. I'm taking it. And I'm not going to wait on God for the right solution. And, and so, but they didn't see. Could they have possibly seen the millennia of pain and agony and regret and trouble that their one decision would bring? Their fall had universal repercussions. When they fell, the whole human race, all of us fell with them. You know the Bible teaches that? We don't hear much about this in pulpits anymore, and that's tragic because people need to hear about the bad side of sin. Paul writes, when Adam sinned, sin entered the whole world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everybody. For everyone sinned. It was imputed to all of us. And the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. So when Adam and Eve sinned, they died, and the whole human race. Now, not physically. No, no. Adam lived to like 930 years old, but he died. So Satan lied, and Adam died. But he lived to 930, but he died. They died in the inside because they were cut off from God, which is what sin does. It cuts us off from God. It breaks fellowship. You don't lose your salvation, you lose your fellowship. Sin affected and and it ruined everything. And I can tell you definitively today, sin ruins everything. Sin ruins everything. It ruins everything. Uh, it, It affected nature. It affected the whole creation of God. Paul tells us in Romans 8 something astounding. He says, the whole creation is groaning awaiting for the revelation of the sons of God. And and because the whole creation was subjected to futility, a life of futility because of sin. Every created creature feels somehow or another the consequences of sin. And when Jesus comes back and establishes his millennial kingdom, then the suffering of creation is brought to an end. Amen. But their sin affected man's relationship with God. It it brought banishment from paradise. They were driven out of paradise because of the sin. And here's the thing. Sin also affected our our, our very nature. We've got to understand this. If you want to know what the problem with the world is, it's a sin problem. It manifests in all kinds of different ways. Drugs, murder, uh, crazy uh, gender stuff, and all this other thing. But the bottom line is... The the root of it all is sin, and sin comes from a fallen nature. The Apostle Paul writes, as for you, you were dead. Who's the were? Who's, Who's the you? As for you, you were dead. He's talking to Christians. You were dead. Necros. 
The Greek word, nekros, is the same word that a Greek speaker back in those days would use to describe a dead body. Nekros, you were dead. That means on the inside, when man is born, he's born with a living body but a dead spirit. You're cut off from God. That's why you need to be born twice. Born once, you're lost. Born twice, you're found. Born once, you're blind. Born twice, you see. Born once, you're going to hell. Born twice, you're going to heaven. Amen? I'm just shooting straight with you today. This is what the Bible teaches. Not real popular these days. But I'm not here to tickle your ear. I don't want my ear tickled. I want to be told the truth. And this is the truth of mankind. This is the problem with the human race. Sin is our problem. We sin as easily as we breathe. He said, and we were by nature deserving of wrath. But by nature is a little phrase that means inherently. By birth. Naturally. Have you noticed when you have children, you don't have to teach them to sin. They, they lie all on their own. They rebel all on their own. No, our job as parents is to teach them and train them not to sin. Because they do it naturally. And that's the thing. That's the thing. Here's the good news. That we have a fallen nature that God sent His only begotten Son. That whoever believes on Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And if any man or any woman be in Christ, they are a brand new creation. All has passed away and become new. And so, listen to what it says. The sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. So, where the first Adam failed, the second Adam, Jesus, succeeded. The second Adam, Jesus, undid what the first Adam did. Watch this. The sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through the other man, the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. Even though we are guilty of many sins, still we're made right with God. Through the second Adam, Jesus. For the sin of the first Adam caused death to rule over many, but even greater. Everybody say greater. greater. Is God's wonderful, stupendous, amazing grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Amen? So doesn't it logically follow then that the first temptation that came to Jesus was where Adam failed? The sin of wrong answer to a right need. And Jesus succeeded. Adam ate of the tree. Jesus didn't. He came to succeed where Adam had failed. The devil's temptation was for Jesus to step outside of God's will and meet a need. But he refused. And this is Satan's tactic with every one of us, isn't it? Because we've all got needs. You woke up today with needs. I had a need when I, I had a need. I was hungry. So I got into the flesh and I called for a chocolate-covered donut. <laughs> yeah? And they brought it. And I took one bite and I said, this is pure sugar pure sugar. I ate a couple more bites, I ate half of it, and then I quit. So I had half a victory this morning. <laughs> half a victory. <laughs> but something in me says that chocolate-covered donut was not God's provision for me. I, I just thought of it. When I thought of it, it appealed to me. And I saw that it looked good. 
How many of you have a battle every time you go by that donut shop, right? Every time you go to that mall. Every time you go to a, a car lot. You hear all kinds of voices. Going to debt, it's okay, God will cover it. This is Satan's tactic, to offer a wrong solution to a right need. That's his tactic. For instance, the devil says, you're lonely. Uh, go ahead and get a relationship going with that person. Now, they don't know Christ, right, but you'll lead them to Christ. You go ahead and, and have a relationship with that person. But that's never God's answer. Because God says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Everybody say, none. Because the most important thing to you and me is our faith. Our walk with God. You can't walk with somebody that doesn't have the same faith. That's why God would not let a, an ox and a donkey be hitched to the same plow in the Old Testament. Because the, the donkey would bite the ox. The donkey would eat anything that came in the path. The donkey would pull the wrong way. The ox was subservient and doing what the master wanted. But the donkey was a born rebel. And if you put them together, the ox was going to end up hurt. So God says, don't hook up with a donkey. That's free. Some of you are thinking, oh, I think I married one. Listen, don't think that way. Don't think that way. Amen. Right need, wrong answer. God understands your need for companionship. He knows that. But don't take a wrong solution. You're in need of finances. The enemy comes and says, go ahead and cheat a little bit on those taxes. God's okay with it. He understands. Right need, wrong answer. God's our provision. Jehovah Jireh, he will provide. You're tense and you're tired. You go home. You need to relax. The enemy says, why don't you go ahead and access that illicit drug just once or twice. You won't become hooked. No big deal. When God's answer is, get into the word, get into prayer, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and let the Holy Spirit give you peace. But the devil is so good at wanting to give you a wrong answer to a right need. And you end up in all kinds of trouble. The Old Testament records the story of Esau, one of two sons of Isaac and Rebekah. You know them, Esau, Jacob, or Esau and, yeah, Jacob. And, and they were twins. And Esau was born first, Jacob second. And it says the two boys couldn't have been more different. Though they were twins, they were complete polar opposites. Jacob was a tent dweller. He was smooth-skinned. He was, he was a, kind of a plain guy. Today, if he was around today, he'd have been a, a nice college graduate, white-collar worker. But Esau was a hunter. He was so hairy that if you touched his arm, you thought it was an animal. That's gross. <laughs> but that's what the Bible says. Yeah. He was that hairy. When you touched his arm, you thought, because they fooled Isaac with it. And Isaac felt of his arm and said, oh, yeah, that is an animal. That guy needed to shower every day. That's terrible. But they're totally different. Esau loved the field, loved the wild, loved rough living, loved going out there and, and getting game. And one day Esau came in out of the woods. Now remember, he's firstborn. That means he had all the privileges and the mother load of the inheritance coming his way. Because just being firstborn, you got the majority of the inheritance from your parents. So he had a lot of money coming. He had a lot of cattle coming. He had a position. He, he was set for life. 
But one day he comes in out of the field. He's starving. And Jacob is waiting with a steaming hot bowl of wolf brand chili. <laughs> and he blows it his way. Esau, I think you're kind of hungry. I got just what you need. It's yours if. I'm going to read it to you. Esau said, I'm weak with hunger. So was Jesus. Let me have some of that stew. But Jacob said, sure, but you got to sell me your rights as the firstborn son. Listen to Esau. I'm almost dead with hunger. So was Jesus. So what good are these rights to me now? Now, what is he doing? He's looking at immediate versus delayed gratification. He has no faith in God. If he had had faith in God, he would have said, dude, take your stew and go home. I'm going to trust God to take care of my hunger. But he didn't. He had no faith in God. So he said, I'm almost dead with hunger. So what good are these rights to me now? So Esau made an oath to him and sold his rights as the firstborn son to Jacob. Terrible trade. Terrible. He gave away millions for one meal. And yet, isn't that what we do sometimes when we sin? We give up our relationship with God worth millions for immediate gratification when if we wait, he'll take care of us. Are you hearing me, church? I'm talking real to you today. So he gave up his rights. He all too easily gave it up. As a matter of fact, uh, he met a right need the wrong way. And the Bible says in Hebrews, he traded his rights as the oldest son for a single meal. And afterwards, afterwards, everybody say there's always an afterwards. Afterwards. When he wanted those rights back again, it was too late. Even though he wept bitter tears of repentance. So remember and be careful. Because sometimes you can make a terrible trade if you accept the wrong answer to a right need, the wrong solution to a legitimate hunger. And that's what the devil is good at. So we see that Jesus refused the wrong answer to a right need. He was starving. He was weak. He didn't see how he was going to go on, but he trusted God. Man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. God's word will keep me alive. I'm trusting God. I will not take immediate gratification. And he, he quoted the book of De Deuteronomy. It's interesting to me. With all three temptations, he quoted out of Deuteronomy. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And in quoting this, here's what he was saying. I place a higher value on God's will than my own needs, even if I die. Job said, even though he slay me, I will trust him. Even if I feel like I can't go on, I, I, I'm going to put a higher premium on God's will than I am my immediate need. It's not easy to do. Not easy. But sometimes that's our choice. So Jesus chose obedience over appetite. He chose to die on the hill of God's will, if need be, rather than accept Satan's counterfeit. He said no to meeting a right knee the wrong way. He said no. He's the captain of our salvation. He's the, he's the boss, applesauce. Right? And, and he lives in us. The one who said no, the one who took a stand, the one who refused a wrong answer to a right need lives in you and me. Now, let me bring this home to us. Each and every day, we as Christians face the same battle. What, what this week have you been tempted to reach out to uh, when 
You knew if I do, that's not God's best for me, but I have this need. I got a need. I got a need. Of course, our culture, it's all about you and your needs. It's not about the Lord. It's not about sacrifice. It's all about you and your needs being all important. Sometimes you just have to tell your flesh to be crucified. Uh, Satan routinely places the wrong solution to a right need right in front of our eyes. He does it all the time. Be it food. I'm not kidding. Sex. Peace. Companionship. Finances. Spiritual fulfillment. He even does it when we're lost and need to be saved. He puts all kinds of wrong answers to a right solution. To a right need. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I need to be redeemed. I need my sins forgiven. But he'll bring along Buddha. He'll bring along Muhammad. He'll bring along some new age God. He'll, he'll bring along, you don't really need this. He'll bring along different philosophies. He puts different things right in front of our face to distract us and move us and cause us to choose something that will not save us. A wrong answer to a right need. The greatest need any human being ever has. Numero uno is to be saved. Isn't it interesting how he'll hit you with every option in the world so that you don't take the real thing? And you know what I've noticed? And I close with this. I've noticed this. The devil so often brings the wrong solution to a right need right before God provides. Right before God provides. Oh, I've seen it so many times, even in my own life. You know, not willing to wait on God. What have you prayed about? Yeah, I prayed about it. It's been two days. I'm going to do something about it myself. And we don't wait on God. We don't wait on His timing. We don't wait on His provision. We take matters into our own hands, and that never goes well. What we find is when Jesus finishes battle with the devil, God met His needs. It says, the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. Angels came. So angels came and took care of all his needs that he had been tempted to satisfy the wrong way. Is this not a pattern for you and me? Here's what we learn in summary. Satan attacks us when we're weak and tired and needy. And that's pretty often, right? That's pretty often. Weak and tired and needy. That's when he attacks. And that's when he dangles the wrong solution. He offers the wrong solution to a right need. He's driven from us when we stand on the word of God and we're standing on the truth of it, not just quoting it, but I believe it's true. I will not live by bread alone, but I live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And he often tempts us right before God's provision. And here's the deal. When we refuse it and trust God, God will meet your needs. In your timing, probably not. In mine, probably not. Almost never. But I always find he had a reason to wait. My son, when he was like eight, wanted a shotgun. We were in East Texas. He wanted a shotgun. I said, don't think so. I'll give you a BB gun, and we'll go from there. So I made him wait a long time. But God makes us wait. We get impatient. We pull on Abraham and Sarah, and we take the wrong solution. And here comes Ishmael. 
wrong answer. In a culture always proclaiming me, 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 how do we achieve our goals without compromising our faith? When we're taught to work hard and do what it takes to get ahead, why should we bother serving others? Today in his message, Pastor Jeff reminded you that you can leave the pressures of the world behind and step into a reality full of joy through humility. The more you mirror the selflessness of Jesus, the more and more you'll gravitate towards His glory. I'll hand it over to Diane, who will let you know more about Hardwired. For more teachings and information about this ministry, we encourage you to check out hardwired.org. Pastor Jeff Wickwire has many more messages there. You'll find them under the audio tab. This will surely help you be encouraged in the Word. Once again, that's hardwired.org. We want to invite you to come back again next time for another teaching from Pastor Jeff. Daniel has more on that, giving you something to look forward to. Have you ever taken shortcuts? Have you ever fudged the numbers, so to speak? If it's just a little white lie to get ahead, what's the big deal? In his next message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that if you want to live a purpose-driven life that exceeds all expectations, focus on keeping your witness intact. No matter how insignificant it may seem, your mistakes add up. Free yourself of your burdens by putting them all at the feet of Jesus. Be renewed and transformed. Thanks for taking time to be with us today as we studied God's Word. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Jeff, visit hardwired.org. On behalf of Pastor Jeff and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again right here on Hardwired. Hardwired.